Hello, 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 and welcome to a big, big, big 10th episode of Bottoms Up Podcast. Woo, 10! Woo, 10! Welcome back. You've made it this far with us, and uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, if you don't know, I'm Fred, and uh, across from me is my sidekick and friend, Blotto. Hey, Fred. How you doing today? Good, good, good. And uh, we also have a couple special guests um, that are going to be helping us out this week. Uh, to my right is Lefty. He's going to be uh, jumping in and helping us with the uh, political and the beer drinking. Hello, hello. I'm actually quite a bit to his left. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but not so far to my left. I, I don't know. <clears throat> and Blada, would you like to introduce our other guest? Uh, her name is Peanut. Peanut. Hello. And uh, she uh, is joining us because she's very passionate about a particular topic and asked me um, if uh, we would entertain that topic as part of our cultural discussion. Um, Adopt, Don't Shop, um, about uh, uh, people, uh, how they obtain their pets um, and um, the benefits of adopting versus shopping. And so that's going to be later on. And uh, Peanut's going to bring a lot of information um, regarding the topic. Excellent. And also... And also, uh, Nobs could not join us this week. We're all very sad about that, and I'm sure he is too. Uh, but we do have another special guest helping us out with the technical part, and that would be our good friend, Half Pint. Hey, so, guys. Hey, hey. Hi. So it's kind of good. We got a couple of female uh, voices in with the crowd today. It's going to be So, awesome. Fred, explain uh, why Nobs isn't with us today. Well, being that this is our special 10th episode, we decided to take it on the road. We are remote from uh, Traverse City, Michigan. Beautiful place up uh, northern Michigan, and uh, we're actually here at the 70s Lodge with about 20 of our best friends in life, and um, we rented this place. It's fantastic. Look it up online. It's too much to describe, but it's called 70s Lodge in Traverse City. It, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, big plug there. Maybe we'll get a discount next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what we're hoping for. So I'm this, sure they're listening. <laughs> so this episode is... Uh, Everyone listens to Pottoms Up. Crab City is extremely friendly to our type. <laughs> <laughs> they love us. Especially on the uh, outskirts of Traverse City. Uh, so if there's a little bit of background noise and maybe even some interruptions, that would explain we are in a room full of 20 people. Yeah, usually we have... The, the pristine silence of our one-shot studio, but uh, we're in a dining room in a big cavernous home, and there's a lot of people running around, so possibilities of yeah. interference. Behind and, Fred is the chili. Yeah. There's crockpots behind me. It's making me <laughs> sweat, everywhere. actually. There are crockpots everywhere. Fortunately, no live audience. Though. Uh, speaking of Traverse City, we're going to start out by cracking these beers. And I'll let Blatto uh, fill you in on what we got. Okay, what we got here. Hailing um, from Traverse City, Michigan is... The Right Brain Naughty Girl Stout. Mm. Um, Who doesn't like Girl Stout Obviously, cookies? it is a stout. Um, right Brain, I really like their tagline of keep beer curious. They're known for a lot of wild flavors. Uh, this is sort of along the lines of the Thin Mints. Yep, um, the cookies. Uh, label talks about its chocolate, and it also mentions that it's infused 
with biodynamic peppermint from the Light of Day Organics, also in Traverse City. So I love the kind of the cross-pollinization of local industries uh, in this craft beer. So let's... Uh, oh, one more thing. Yeah. This beer promises to be naughtier than a cookie could ever be. So we're going to find out and let you know. Oh, yeah. We really didn't even get into the, the label and the whole name. But uh, Naughty Girl Stout um, shows a picture of a, 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 a woman, I guess, dressed as a Girl Scout riding a motorcycle. I'm looking at them. They're all actually different girls on there. Oh, you're right. Each one. That's well, awesome. At least the three I can see. The, yeah, the lab, the, the yeah. different oh, girls. There's a repeat. It's okay. Doesn't matter. That's, <laughs> that's, that's cool. Can we oh, pour it in awesome. a glass or do we have to drink yeah, it? Yeah, no. Bottle? So we're going to start something new today. <laughs> one of our listeners suggested that we be pouring our beers instead of drinking out of the bottles. So clank. Uh, Here's to those east of us listening. Now, on... Uh, I think it's going to be episode 12. We're probably going to have our special beer expert with us, and we'll talk to him about these kinds of things. Um, uh, the difference between drinking out of a bottle, taps, glasses. Um, certainly, uh, one thing that we've been missing with our beer reviews is talking about color and head. And so by, do, by pouring Point it head. into the glass... <laughs> Um, he poured he's beer. the only one who's got it. So I know how to pour beer. <laughs> yes, Imagine that. Anyway, it's a, certainly a deep, rich color, but let's uh, give him a taste. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. Oh. Bottoms up. <laughs> okay, Lefty, we'll let you go first. What do you think? Your thoughts? Your hates? Your likes? I don't taste a whole lot of mint, but I do taste a whole lot of tasty. <laughs> that um, is uh, one terrific beer. So what we normally uh, try to do is decide if it's one that we would buy again, if it's for you. Or not for you. Oh, for you. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've listened to that podcast a couple times. Oh, have you? Um, yeah, I would definitely like this beer. It's a little... Little smacky in the face in the beginning, and it just gets kind of like deep and yeah. Okay. All right, Fred. I agree. I was expecting it to be a lot mintier, which I really didn't want. So the fact that it's just a real underlying part of the flavor, I like it because it's just subtle. Maybe it's a conspiracy beer. Yeah. It's saying it's real, but there isn't any in there. It is nice and hearty, and uh, I'd say it's for me as well. Peanut? I like mint, personally, so I could do a little bit more of the mint flavor, but I do get some of the chocolate, and I'm not really a beer drinker, but I do like it. Oh, okay. It's Good. for you. Yeah, I would say it's for me. All right. And Maybe you have to brush your teeth before um, you drink it. There you go. Yeah. It's totally for me. I've had it. I've had it out of the bottle. I've had it at Rick Brain. Um, I think it's really good. I, I think stouts are perfect, obviously, in the winter. And like being here, is, I, all I want is a stout. So I'm really happy that you guys picked that. Does it taste um, better out of the glass than out of the bottle? We didn't try. We didn't try, <laughs> but I'm uh, liking it out of the glass. We may never know. I also like that it's not super minty, because usually things are like that synthetic mint Well, this is, flavor. What is it, biodynamic? Is, is that what it says? I don't know. Yes, biodynamic mint. 
You, you know, know exactly. <laughs> I first, I've had a, a few more tastes as you guys were doing your reviews. Um, my first reaction was more on the not for me or mess side, but now that I've had three or four sips, it's really coming around and the mint is coming out. Uh, for me, I, I didn't taste any mint when I first tried it, and now I'm, I'm, I'm down about three or four sips, and the, the mint... Uh, I do have the mint taste in my mouth now. It, it kind of lingers a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's what stays what, with yeah. me, What about the mint being for the nose? Because out of this glass, when you give it a nice little whiff, it's kind of... It nice smells more like smell. a Girl Scout cookie than taste. Yeah, so I think it's a very well thought out beer. All right. Wow. Yeah. So, I think that's probably a list of four me's around. Nice. Um, okay. Uh, before we get into our topics, um, Fred, was there anything that you saw on the uh, on the interweb this week that you want to share? Yeah, I I ran across a meme that I thought initially I, I thought was pretty funny, made me giggle a little bit. But then it kind of made me sad at the same time because the the irony of it and the, it's a meme of Rudy Giuliani and it says Giuliani's <laughs> final defense and he says I'm not sure crime is actually a crime. Yeah. <laughs> show it to you. Yes. Uh, but but I mean you have to show it to me. So hilarious. Uh, but you understand the, the sad of part Giuliani. of it, right? That we're at that. Did point. you did you watch the Chris Como? Chris Cuomo. Oh, um, yeah. Rudy Giuliani has a really big tell when he lies. Okay, other than moving his lips. Right, right. He bulges his eyes. Almost every time he said something that was completely just fabricated, he bulges his eyes. <laughs> I rewound it several times. I'm like, lie, lie. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really obvious. Uh, the one that uh, struck a chord with me this week uh, was just a, a text meme. Uh, and it said, uh, all these Russian ties, Trump is so far up Putin's ass, he can see Sarah Palin's house. <laughs> <laughs> That's outstanding. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, some quick fact checks um, from uh, last week. Uh, we were talking about, can Congress sue the White House is, is that something that's plausible? Um, and yes, it is. As a matter of fact, it's going on right now. The oh. emoluments clause thing is a situation where Congress oh, is suing the White right. House. So yep. that's, that, uh, uh, that's already kind of a known. Is um, it fast-tracked? I bet. I don't know. Um, Fact-check your fact-check. <laughs> the other is we got, we got caught up with a little bit of a, a, a brain fart on trying to think of what a movie was when we made some references to two Utes. And, of course, the name of that movie is uh, My Cousin Vinny. Uh, I'm sure there were some listeners out there just screaming into <laughs> at our podcast, My Cousin Vinny, My Cousin Vinny. Um, Don't you have a cousin, Vinny? <clears throat> uh, you think I would. Uh, and then we were talking about uh, live venues, uh, different uh, concert venues. Uh, Cobo Arena holds 12,000. So we were reflecting back on the old days of Cobo Arena, which is a really nice number to see, uh, to see a concert. And we're missing that, um, at least in the Detroit area. You know, we either have 1,000, 5,000, or 40,000. And, and I think 
you know, to have a place that would hold 12,000 is, is really the, the, the right size to see a big band, you know. Right. Um, and I also wanted to add to the fact check this ongoing uh, factoid Pilsners. about Pilsners. Because <laughs> I wish I never would have bought that beer. <laughs> we were... We brought up the idea of why would anyone make a Pilsner craft beer when you can drink Miller Lite? Exactly. And then exactly. I, I researched that last week on a fact check, and it turned out that uh, uh, Miller Lite was listed as a lager, but it says Pilsner on the can. So then that kind of led to what is the real difference? So a little bit more uh, research. Pilsner is a type of lager. Mm. So Pilsner lager. is a lager. And it's a type of lager, and it's uh, a bit lighter. So Pilsner is the lightest of the beers, and lager. But it does say it can have spicy flavor, which obviously American light lagers don't have any spice but, or taste. Uh, right, right. But that is uh, spicy uh, going. So maybe, maybe that puts that uh, uh, <clears throat> subject to rest. Yeah. <clears throat> no more Pilsner talk. Just no, no more Pilsners. No more Pilsners. <laughs> no more Pilsners. Um, <clears throat> No, we get to lawn mowing beer, and it's a different story, though. Uh, before we get into a, a topic that I think is uh, going to be going for a while, um, and, and that is the Democratic candidate field, but some people threw their hat into the ring. Um, shutdown's still going on, and mm-hmm. and it's just you know it's just shake my head every day. Uh, um, and you know, obviously, there was lots of things happening this week, but. Um, you know, people are still not working. They're forcing more people to go back to work instead of furloughed and, and work for free. Um, and uh, it's, 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 it's now turned into this tit-for-tat thing between Trump and uh, Pelosi. You know, she's trying to cancel his State of the Union. He's canceling her plane rides. <laughs> it's oh, it's really a work-for-delay pay, though. It's not a work well, for not free, for, not for all of them. Well, the contractors, right? But are right, out. right, right now they feel like they're working for free. If you're them, you feel like you're working for free. Well, especially because I would had, say they may get they feel. may get their back pay, but in the meantime, right? They don't even have money. They don't have income. They don't have income to just sustain the lifestyle, and they have. cannot collect unemployment, right? Because yeah, they're they're it. still empo- empo- right employed. Mm-hmm. I am brain dead from last night. <laughs> employed. They're still yeah. employed, so yes, they cannot. Uh, and I still them. put this all on McConnell, and I keep hammering it uh, on my Facebook post. I do not blame Trump for the shutdown. He wants his wall, whatever. He's trying to fulfill promises he made on the campaign trail, as asinine as they are. But the shutdown is on McConnell. He has the power to end it. He has to do the will of the people. The people elected him to run the Senate, to vote on bills, to represent the people, and clearly the people want the shutdown to end. That guy is derelict, man. And, 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 you know, if there's a way to impeach, you know, a sitting senator, there ought to be because... There is. He, he really is. There, there is. There's a procedure for that. Yeah. Well, we, we need I'm to talk about that. <laughs> um, I love what uh, Ocasio did this weekend, or this week... Uh, with the Where's Mitch. Hashtag Where's Mitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Running around the Capitol. He um, looked good in a little stripy hat. <laughs> <laughs> it would be red and white. And they never did find him. 
They, no. They were saying they suspected he heard that they were coming, and I guess the senators all have a a secret private room. Yes. That they can hide in. An in antechamber? Sort of. Yeah, yeah uh, that's what they said. They, they suspect. Claire McCaskill is explaining what those are. Yeah. What's it? What it was called? Well, she's. It, it was like a, a secret. Yeah. Wait, is it a skiff? No. No. No, no they're no. just a, a, a separate office. Oh, that's only it's for like the a, cabinet members. That's right. I think she well, literally called it a hideaway. Yeah, because it used to just be for the uh, the ranking members, yeah. she said, but now all wait, the senators wait. have their own. It's huh? it's a panic room. <laughs> in this case, in you this case, yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, I don't think that turtle panics over anything. I'm, he's so flatline. It's amazing it's, he's alive. But you, you guys have to realize that, that he's representing a constituency that backs him completely down there in Kentucky. Well, that's true. He is and, from and, Kentucky. And, yep. Until the, I love Kentucky, but. And, and until the left mm-hmm. focuses their efforts on cutting off the head, it doesn't really matter which Jeff Sessions or which right. old white Republican guy that you unseat, you need to cut off the head. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and that really is a, a great segue into the next topic. Because... You know, we've had some people throw their hat in the ring for the presidency, right? For the Democratic nomination this week. And what it really comes down to is who is going to flip purple states. Because it doesn't really matter who the Dems nominate. You're going to have X number of states go red. And Mitch McConnell is in a super red state. And it's not going to change. And it's going to go for Trump, no matter what happens. And that's the way that this thing has lined itself up. That's the polarization that we have today. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and so whoever the Dems do nominate, you're really focusing on, what, four or five states that they, 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 they have to Oh, they, right. They have to, to yeah, take. it's the same key four or five states that... The, the political left and right have been looking at through multiple election cycles. I mean, in this in, in the 2016 election, you know, Democrats thought that Trump was so awful, Texas might be in play, right? I mean, you know, that, George, that, that Georgia might be in play. And in the end, they really weren't. No. And in the end, they weren't even close. And, and, and I, you know, as, as bad as he is, it's still hard to imagine. You know, what is it? Maybe Arizona is... Somewhat yeah. purple now. Maybe Utah is somewhat purple now. Um, um, you look at North Carolina, you know Georgia. See, I don't see those. I don't see those. Is I, you know, you've got the city centers, but that's still not enough. Well, this this game is uh, it's kind of like karma, though. Karma isn't immediately. You do one good thing today, and tomorrow. You're gonna. Somebody's gonna let you in in a, in, a, in a turning lane on the freeway. It's it's a much longer concept, and it may not involve Can't wait. our lifetimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's it gotta happen sooner than it, that. It does, you know? but but that's that's how that works. Yeah. And, and when you get the gerrymandered districts to be more fair, 
and you get the representation of the actual population that exists in states like Texas, you're going to see it become more purple. The, the, the House will move at a quicker pace than the Senate will in that regard because of, you know, they're fixing up the gerrymandering and it's representative of each pocket of, Correct. of, of demographic. Senates are, you know, statewide elections. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what that timeline looks like for, um, you know, to add more states into the purple column. Traction sometimes comes from... Does it? What? Traction could sometimes comes from the smallest tread on the tire, not the biggest. You have a lot of small changes, and so that's where I think you're exactly right. Will the right Democratic candidate help that? Does it, does it, does it start to move the needle? So... You know, um, who would be a good example? Maybe like, okay, we have three that are in the in the race right now, right? Elizabeth Warren, Kirsten Gillibrand, and Tulsi Gabbard are official, right? They've announced. Yeah. Right. I don't know that that any of those three move that needle, right? But but maybe, right? Do you, do you need a? I hate to say it, Bill Clinton from Arkansas. Right to help bring some of those southern voters back towards the blue side, like a Mr. Bombastic kind of like, you know, I, I think this is this is where the Democrats are really going to have um, a, a, a battle for 2020 is you know trying to find that candidate that motivates the base and pulls in new voters that they didn't have. You're just speaking of the presidential, correct? Yeah, yeah, just the the, the presidential. I mean, you know, you, you look at kind of where the, the polling is, and um, you know, the the old white guys are polling ahead of everybody else. Biden and Bernie, you know, wow. does does it, it, are those the guys that are going to pull it? You know, no, I, probably not. I, I mean, you know. Biden would be great at winning the traditional purple states. I mean, I think he would beat Trump. He would win Pennsylvania in a landslide. Yeah. Uh, he probably wins Ohio. He probably wins Michigan. You know, Minnesota also. I, 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 I think almost all these candidates will beat Trump. I, I do think that's very beatable when you talk about just these particular states that are in play. But to... Uh, Lefty's point, I don't know about, you know, um, helping that timeline of getting Georgia and, uh, uh, you know, North Carolina to, to start moving in that direction. What do you think is the deepest red state, Lefty? The deepest red state would probably be Mississippi. And Alabama, you know, 1A. Wyoming. <laughs> you know, like those really... Unpopulated states that shouldn't take as much of a shift. Um, South Carolina yeah. is. Um, I mean, the most problematic red state is probably Ohio. Uh, Maybe Florida. Florida, but they're not. They're. I don't know that they're the deepest color red, right? They're, no. What do you mean by problematic? I think that we could um, spend a lot of resources and effort to 
converting those populations into a vote for a side that we might agree with and waste the effort with maybe a voter fraud or uh, stacked pre or taking away precincts and, and all kinds of voter suppression tactics down in Florida. Um, those things can throw elections to a less problematic outcome. Yeah. Yeah. How, how progressive does this next candidate need to be? You, do, you, do you think? I mean, it, you know, again, you have the establishment guys, right? The, the old white guys, you know, like Biden. But Bernie is progressive, but he's still very establishment, isn't he? Doesn't it, doesn't it seem like, though, when, you, when you're talking the Bidens and the Bernies and all that, it almost seems to fly in the face of what happened at the midterms? A lot of young progressives. Yes. And, and they almost seem like oil and water as far as the party goes. You see, like, the you know, looking for Mitch with um, AOC. Yeah. Those seem like they're the up-and-comers of the parties, and you'd almost think... That's the direction they'd want to go for president as well. But I see Biden and Bernie as being the antithesis of that. You know, they just don't seem like they go together to me. They wouldn't be running around the Capitol no, looking no. for Mitch. No and, no, and breaking down the norms that the presidents does. But, uh, but on I'm, also, basis. I'm also I'm also talking about the fact that look how many of them won and beat, and mm-hmm. they took red seats. That seems to me that that's the direction this party wants to go, but yet you've got Biden and Bernie and those people and, at the top. And why do they poll so high, right? Uh, I, yeah. I don't get it. Mm. Now, they also poll, when, they, when you look at early uh, candidate polling, they break it down into two lanes. There's should they run or would you vote for them, and shouldn't they run or would you not vote for them. And, you know, Bernie ranks very high in the forget them. You know, he's, you know, 2016 was his thing. You know, he should move on. So he actually gets a lot of, um, I guess, their votes, polling, uh, you know, opinion about, no, don't run, right? Uh, you know, the, probably the, the most popular woman on the, on the ticket is Elizabeth Warren. Same thing. She does pretty well on the, on the should run, but also gets high on the shouldn't run, you know? Um, uh, the Democratic field is going to be what? Maybe by the time it whittles down, maybe twenty people could be as many as thirty. Is that good or bad? I I don't think it's a good thing. It's, it's just I agree with you, Fred. Because I, I, bottoms up, <laughs> bottoms up. You guys, bottoms up, bottoms up, We can't have enough of that. I I, I just don't see that as a good thing because. Obviously, if there's all those people throwing their hat in the ring, they want to be the, the, the yeah. nominee. Yeah. They're, they're what you guys risk under, doing? Yep, yep. Eating your own. You too, ri- no, 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 no. No? You, you, you risk, what you risk doing is disenfranchising yourself from the young and up-and-comers. There's a process, and the process involves whittling out and letting every voice be heard. Um, it's pretty, like right here as we sit around this microphone, there's two millennials in the room. 
we could ask them how they feel about it. But we haven't thought of it at all. Oh, well, I, I wouldn't say we haven't thought of it. We want people to speak up as they see fit. But sure. I think that educating the millennials to actually, because if we ask one that might want to re remain silent, if we ask one what, what she thought or he thought, what would uh, they say? I don't know, or come out with a stammer, or this or that. And we need to involve them in the process. I, and putting old white guys on a podium, and, and pardon me, old white women on a podium, is not serving our party or our progress, my progressive ideals. Our demographics right here are three old white guys <laughs> and two millennial <laughs> women, right? So... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we I mean, represent the country. Yeah. <laughs> and we have dominated the conversation. <laughs> That's right. We haven't allowed them to say anything uh, yet. Okay, so, uh, uh, Peanut, I, I know you, you really didn't want to get involved in the political discussion, <laughs> which maybe I shouldn't even say that, but that's what you said earlier. So any, any, any take on the way you see the next presidential election? I don't really keep up with politics, but I would like to think it would go to the Democratic side just because of everything that... Our current president has like put us through. So let me ask it another way: How radical do you want that Democrat to be? Do you want them to really be pushing for things like, you know, free upper education, free health care, uh, you know, really come down on other against other conservative ideologies, or more moderate, say, okay, let's start whittling away. At the high cost of health care, let's start whittling away at the high cost of higher education. You know, do you, do you want somebody to be, you know, just as unorthodox as what we currently have in there on the left side of the aisle from a Democrat, or would you rather see, you know, kind of more moder moderate? I think like the more the extreme side would be ideal, but I don't think it's realistic. Okay. I think that it does. We do need someone more moderate. Half time. Right? Nah. Uh, uh, um, Don't say nah, bet. No, no, no. <laughs> no. No. Because she will. I, I was going to say, nodding doesn't come through on podcasts. <laughs> and and, and now nah, starting I, I to come out. Going, I thought you were going nah, bet. Too, no, I was, I, I was going to say nah. We talked not, about I, this. You, you, agreed, you agreed with Peanut, but you were nodding. And I was like, remember, this is, this is radio, so no, yeah. nodding doesn't count. I, I agree. I, I think, I mean, I, it would be nice to see more radical, progressive things, but I think, like she said, it's, it's not totally feasible for all of those things to be happening, at least not right away. I mean, I think it's more realistic that someone more moderate could get in. I mean, right now, this next election, I feel like it's going to be a big... If it flips, I feel like it has the potential. I don't know, but... Okay, so it has the potential, but doesn't that potential Like, I feel mean... like going from what we have now, it's like this might be the time that somebody like that gets in because people are so or a large portion of people are so against what's happening now, uh -huh. but I don't know if somebody so progressive running would win when everyone's so divided. I Does will, that make sense? I will say, like, if someone more progressive ran, I think more millennials and college students will go out and vote. Yes. Like, I don't know, like, stats or anything, but I'm pretty sure a decent amount of people wouldn't actually get registered to vote just because weed was on the election in Michigan, yeah. or on the ballot in Michigan. So what about the uh, thought that 
this is probably the most ideal time for somebody to come out of the quote unquote left with progressive ideals and make headway in success. Couldn't have a better candidate to run against than somebody that was so far off the track of even the right wingers. Uh, I don't know as if I could even call him independent unless you call him independent as solely for him first. Yeah, no, I totally know, discount the idea then, of independence. Then it, then with your being an independent. My other thought. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Is it's true. I, we've seen in various elections <laughs> where the young can embrace, embrace the ideals of the old of the party. What we need is for the old, uh, the old white guys, the old... Uh, for us. Yeah. <laughs> to embrace some of the young. Yeah. And, and that's where the disconnect is. Mm-hmm. The disconnect isn't with the young voter. The disconnect is with the old voter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what, well said, Lefty. What are the people doing that have gotten the young, the millennial vote, I guess, like going or getting people more motivated? Like someone like Beto O'Rourke, like what is he doing? He's an, He's not a young person, but I mean, he's not part of the higher-ups, but he's a white guy from the South. What, what what exactly is he doing that's getting people, and I think a lot of young people, working for his campaign, even though it didn't end well when the midterms you know, anything, but the there's something about that, what he's doing, that other people could... And, and, and that's why you know, he's often compared with Obama, because it's, it's style and message combined with Beto, right? He, he relates to people, he relates to a broader base of voters, People he also, like dental work. Um, <laughs> what? He didn't, you didn't you see him getting his video. teeth clean? Oh, oh I, I just saw something about it. I, I remember like, like, yeah, just... I think he was getting his teeth clean. Yeah. Is what was um, but, he, but he relates, but then, then it's also the message, right? He, he, he does have those strong messages. But he's also got some moderate messaging in there, too. Right. You, you know, and, and um, it'll be interesting how that plays out on the, on the national stage. I mean, we talked about there was, you know, 20 or 30 candidates. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily, you know, each your own, but what it does do is it, it, is it fragments the message, the Democratic message, in my opinion. And so now you have, okay. Too many ideas. Too many from different too many opinions places. of what the Democratic platform should look like. And then all of a sudden that becomes... Uh, a, a war within the party, and now you say, okay, kind of what happened with the Bernie Bros, right? I'm not voting for Hillary because she's not talking free education for everybody. You know, and 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 those kind of lines get drawn. Um, so I, I think that that's more the danger, not so much that they're going to go after each other. They will. Um, but people kind of understood that, you know, once the, you know, that's politics, you know. I, I, I do hope that they can really um, kind of focus in on what the message is, start really working on the party platform now and not their individual platforms. And, and you know, that's got to happen organically. It's not going to happen, you know, in a memo. But I, I think that's the best way to... Um, to then bring that message to whoever does get the nomination. 
There was there was something you you said, um, Lefty, that, and again it went back to the states. It made me think about the changes that are coming in the primary season, and the primary season has so much bearing on who wins the nomination. It really does. Not just the voting in the primary, but the schedule and the types. So, for instance, there uh, was it uh, four states are getting rid of caucuses. So Bernie won all the caucus states because it's people that sit around a room and decide who they're going to vote for and they're thoughtful. That, those those states are, are, are going to primary elections. Um, Why? I did not hear that, but yeah. what's the purpose? I, I think and they want to get more people it? engaged. You oh, know? They don't want it to seem well, caucus is like a handful of people right. making decisions for the whole Okay. Right. But those are those are states that. Uh, so that's a positive thing, then. I I, I think it is. I, I I'm not a real big fan of the caucus process. Um, it's it's one or the other. Right, like every state should be the same, right? Yeah, and and, and the other thing that that happens is you have so often in Super Tuesday in the early voting, it's all in the South. So you, then you're going to have your more moderate candidates get get the lead. You know, I, I think if the calendar was different, Bernie might have had some momentum going into Super Tuesday, as they call it, and may have, you know, done better in the southern states. But he, his momentum all came later when the Northeast and the North and the Midwest started voting. You know, Michigan really was key in keeping him in the race. It, it, it really, you know, well, kind of, you Michigan know. Michigan and other foreign countries. <laughs> 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 um, and the other problem with, with having so many uh, Democrat candidates, even though there'll, there'll be lots of good ones, is you have winners by plurality and not majority. You know, and, 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 and then it's really hard to say, okay, who was the winner? You know, if, you have, if you're spreading your votes out against 20 people, then you're saying, okay, this person is, is won this state with only... 23% of the vote. Yeah. You know, and then you start to disenfranchise the other ones. So it's going to it's it's going to be tricky. It's going to be fun. It's going to be tricky, you know. It's going to be an early lead for Kamala Harris. Uh, she seems really strong. Yeah. You know, one of the things I I, I think I mentioned this to to you Fred the other day on the, on the phone about Elizabeth Warren getting her hat in the ring as early as she did. Right. I'm not really sure that she really wants to be president. I think that she's up for the job. I think she'd be a good president. I think she can get the votes. I think her getting in the race early was more tactical. Stopping I think oh, she's trying to she's trying to establish uh-huh. the, the the footing for how they should go forward. Right. I'm I'm super progressive. If you want to get in this race, you better be as progressive as I am. I'm not taking PAC money. I'm not taking corporate money. You know what I mean? It's going to be grassroots. And, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, you want to get in this race, but you want to raise money on PACs and, and corporations, I'm, I'm going to hit you with it. I'm going to hit you with it hard. I think it was a smart play. You know, Kirsten Gillibrand, she comes in and she says, no PAC money. Yep, she sounded like she was parroting Elizabeth yes, Warren. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Yes, I, I think you, when, I, when I saw Gillibrand talking, <laughs> it, it made me think of your point. Our conversation, yeah. That Elizabeth Warren had gone in there and laid down a couple planks that is going to force the hand of everybody else who's going to jump in. Or 
they're going to have to butt heads with her, which I don't think is a good idea, just because I think that's a good platform to go in with. Um, is it sustainable? I mean, you know, Bernie did, you know, raised a ton of money with small donations and independents. Can Kirsten Gillibrand do that? Well, do they need that much money? Beto did it. Yeah, it was all small yeah. donations, yeah. and he wasn't taking big pack money. And you know, so it's it. I guess it's the right person with the right message is going to be able to do that. How much money does it take now? No, no. I, I mean, I, I don't think it takes as much as it used to, because there's so much free media out there now. Mm-hmm. I mean, these elections are all national elections. You know, I, I don't know. Flooding your your local markets with TV commercials really matters all that much. Again, I, I, I poo-poo the idea that there's that many independents out there, so that doesn't change very much. You know? Most of those commercials, to me, just turn me... I shut off. I, I just... Right. Right. And then... Bubba's here. <laughs> <laughs> you know Bubba's here. Uh, obviously, uh, we're missing the party. <laughs> uh... uh <clears throat> but yeah, I think um, uh, it's it, it's uh, it's setting the bar, and you better play, or uh, you're going to get clobbered. Me personally, I've kind of made a little pledge about this. All these candidates are going to have flaws: Elizabeth Warren, Tulsi Gabbard, Bernie Sanders, Beto O'Rourke, whatever. I'm going to really do my best to accentuate their positives and not be bashing people. Certainly not on a personal level. <laughs> Peanut doesn't think that's possible, <laughs> but we can't we, we, we can't let this slip. There can be no screw up. There, you know. So so. Uh, uh, could you uh, could you imagine? Could you imagine Trump the second term? No. It, 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 yeah, my head is exploding just thinking about it. And yet he won't insult someone on a personal level. <laughs> 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 you know you know it is also really going to be interesting to see. Okay, so we talked about the Democrat, the Democrat candidates. If anyone wants to run against Trump, I don't see it happening. I, I, I can't see a scenario. John Kasich or uh, who else was I thinking about? Um, you Must know. they step outside the the party? Yeah, but, which is you know, entirely possible Mitt? with a person like John Kasich. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see that really happening, and maybe they peel off a few. But they're also going to peel off some Democrats too, who are going to be, you know, upset with, with whoever that those candidates are. But as long as Trump maintains a eighty-seven percent approval rating from the Republican Party, you can't. But what's all what, the downside? The downside of not anybody running against Trump, and and Kasich knows this, is again he will be a wild man. I mean, in the debates, he was kind of held in check and often exposed, because. His own people, his own party would challenge what he was saying. He's going to go around and do these campaign rallies, and they're going to be more extreme than they ever have been. Because he's, he has nobody to challenge he's him. got license he's to do what he wants. He's rogue. Nobody Absolutely. corrects him, so yeah. Which yeah. maybe that's a good thing for us because we'll just... One, it gives us more podcasts. Oh, God. <laughs> but two, it will expose him... Unfortunately, those that support him don't don't see the, any kind of ex- exposure, you know. But if it's just going to be rallies, it'll it'll be um, an embarrassment to the country. That's as it currently is. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, well, wait. Well, I, I, I did want to touch on one more thing be, before your next thought. <laughs> we didn't mention the Cohen bombshell in BuzzFeed. And I, I think that deserves a minute or two of talk. Uh, your opinions on what we heard. My opinion is when I first heard it, I didn't like where I was hearing it from because I really don't trust BuzzFeed that much. Um, and But at the same time, I thought it nothing but plausible. Oh. You, know, pro, you know, past probable or past plausible into probable. It's nothing but a counterintelligence plot to destroy the credibility of the media. Well, what is? The BuzzFeed report that while we have unnamed law enforcement sources, they have, Mueller has brought out the, the, the public relations person on his staff, oh, he's got which a, has he's only got happened a, one other time. A, right, a spokesperson. To, right. to yeah, spokesperson. To refute yep. parts of or all of, we're not sure. I, I think it depends on how you want to read it. So, wait a minute, are you saying that, that Mueller is doing this to try and damage oh, the no. media? Oh, no. I okay, think I misunderstood what you said. I think it's somebody deeper, deep state, maybe, in in their trying to feed misinformation to the media. So you think, you think, you think BuzzFeed is reporting accurately what they heard, mm-hmm. but it's probably somebody on the inside that's giving them misinformation. That's a really good theory. That's where I'm going with that. That's a, that's a solid theory. I know when I heard it, I was excited and tickled because it's like, <laughs> finally. Yeah, no, everybody start talking impeachment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Red they, they can Red nail hair. him down. But it's odd that BuzzFeed is the only news source that's still reporting it. I mean, everybody else is glomming onto it. Because it's so plausible. It's so plausible. It's, it's absolutely believable. I mean, it sounds like something so Trumpian. But... You know, being suspect of it a lot. That, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but it, it, it explains it. Came to mind it explains it. it. explains it. So that, yeah. that's why I like it. Okay, but I'm thirsty. All right, now we're on to another beer. So, and what do we got in the treasure trove this week? The portable treasure trove. The portable trove. <laughs> the remote treasure trove. <laughs> <laughs> no vapor locks. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, Lefty here was nice enough to provide this brew for us, so what I'm going to do is throw it to him and let him introduce it. Well, you guys were good enough to let me uh, co-opt the introduction of the beer, so I had to bring, from my hometown, Axel Brewing's Brewed Down IPA. Where's your hometown? Ferndale, Michigan. That's where Axel is. Okay. <laughs> Just want to give them a plug and locate So, them. yeah. Yeah. So I've been trying to teach myself how to drink IPAs. As an old white guy, it's kind of hard to do. <laughs> no, it ain't. No, it ain't. <laughs> uh, I am too. Uh, I, I do it all I the time. Have, the, the podcast has opened me up to IPAs, and uh, I always finish them. <laughs> They're not always for me, but I do finish them, and, and, and it's a growing taste. And you want to know what? What? I've never been a stout drinker, but with each stout that you guys are forcing on the IPA guy, I'm finding I like them more and more with each time. So it's we're working. affecting each it's other. It's working. It's so you working. guys are finding alternative uses so, besides. So, um, so, so Lefty, you were telling me a little bit about the canning process of, of this beer, weren't, weren't you? Um, 
Yeah, th this is a microbrew uh, brewed right in the the tavern facility, whatever you want to call it there on Livernoy. And they brew their own. And you can go, you can't get a growler, but you can get what they call a prowler, um, which is a 32 ounce. And they will uh, pour, draw it from the tap into the can and then cap it right in front of you. Oh, that's so cool. seal the can in front of you. At, at the back bar. That's very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I've never heard of that. We, yeah, when we went there before we went to the living room show, which you guys were talking about last week or a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. yeah. And people there went and they had them. They, when they were at the show, they had them because they're kind of smaller, right? Yeah. yeah. I so they cracked it open and they're just drinking like a little That's mini. Right. Oh, that, yeah. that explains yeah. it now. We had no idea what was going uh, on. So, but, yeah, they have great specials. Cool. So what type of beer is this? This is the Brute IPA. I don't know what Brute IPA is. Dry, right? Brute, Brute as in dry champagne. champagne. Right. So, um, according to the bartenders, or tender, or whatever you want to, I don't know how to say that. <laughs> um, this, they think it, it is a little thin for an IPA, and it has a little bit of a, a cut-off kind of flavor. So, it'll punch you in the face as you drink it, hopefully. Okay. And just let you swallow without... Grimacing and you know. All right. I mean, I expect it to be hoppy. So, <laughs> what's the alcohol no. level? Peanut. Uh, seven percent, according to Untapped. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's crazy. Don't put it on boys. Untapped. Open them up. Great app. <laughs> um, you know, we have stayed away from canned beers because when we do our bottoms up cheer. It's, it clanks. It doesn't, it do, doesn't do anything. Do nothing. <laughs> but, now, but, but now that your audience is properly educated. We have gone to glasses. Uh, so we have solved that problem. Bottoms okay. up, everybody. The awkward quiet. Bottoms up. Yeah. Bottoms up. Yeah, we tried to get rid of it, but there's no point. Bottoms up. Um, okay. Anybody want to jump in there? Fred? I like it. That's IPA. I definitely get hit in the face with the citrus up front, which is what I look for and I love. That's what hit me. No, but not overly sweet, hey? No, no. Not no. sweet at all. Not sweet at all. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's the brute part. Yeah. It definitely. There uh, isn't clean, bubbly. Mm. Yep. Bubbly, bubbly. How about you, Half Pint? Any thoughts? Yum. I actually really like that. I I used to drink a lot of IPAs like a year or two ago, and I've been regressing for some reason. It's always the stouts that I want, and I don't know. So I haven't really drank a lot of IPAs lately, but that's really good. I think it totally does kind of punch you first, but that cutoff, I, I see it. Like with like a two-hearted or something, it stays with you. It, it It's strong, it's citrus, it's clean, and it's not sweet, and then it kind of... It's gone. Smooth. It's lingering over here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you, you, you. It's always <laughs> it, is, it is far too hoppy for me to, to really enjoy again. We, I, I, I think one of the other IPAs I liked a little bit more, but um, the citrus hit me first. I mean, the nose, and that is one nice benefit of drinking out of the glass. You do get the aroma, right, before you get the taste, and that's a, um, a, a powerful sensation in part of the beer drinking. But the... Uh, uh, just, just too, too hoppy, and and for me, it's still lingering. So, um, you don't like the pine in it. Um, 
that's there. Like grapefruit or something in there too for me, which I'm oh, not a big fan. Grapefruit, right? mm-hmm. yeah. It's like the Yule. See, I don't Gib- like grapefruit. The Yule Gibbons beer. <laughs> Many parts of a pine cone yes. are edible. Peanut. Peanut. Um, it smells good. It tastes good. It's definitely something I would drink. I like uh, the citrus. It's something I uh-oh, would drink. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> you must come from good genes. We got a Bud Light counter. All right, I, I will say it is for me for sure. I, I, I like Livernoy. That, that's a great one. I'm going to go not for me, but as always, with beers that we're not used to, I always like to judge at the end again to say, you know what? By the time I got to the bottom of the glass, I did enjoy that. So might take a while, it looks like. But my glands are like salivating in the back of my throat. <laughs> Um, Mouth is water. Yeah, it's, like, it's usually a positive thing. I don't, I don't know. It's usually right before you vomit. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure Livernoid Brewing would love to hear that. <laughs> hey, we don't call beers bad. It's absolutely. We we, we just Excellent. we just say whether or not they're um, for me or not for me. So <clears throat> for others, I, I, I can't speak highly enough uh, about their tap room. Um, it's it's an excellent excellent place to visit, and I was proud to provide you guys with uh, the ability to. Thanks so that. much. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. All right. Nice, nice. All right. Well, um, hopefully we didn't uh, bring down our audience too much by the last topic. <laughs> oh, the actual brewing beer. Um, well, no, that's never going to bring anybody down. Just the uh, the challenges of the political climate going forward. Great um, head too. Um, wow. Just saying. Okay. Remember, it's radio. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but um, uh, when when Pina approached me about um, actually, I approached her about ideas for other topics that we could discuss that were non-political. And uh, she had thrown out this phrase that I'd never heard before called, Peanut, why don't you explain what it is? Uh, For those who don't know, Adopt Don't Shop is the campaign slogan that pretty much encourages people to adopt dogs and cats from rescues or kennels rather than going to pet stores. Can I just say something? I really thought in the notes that I was reading something about vintage clothing, and it is so much more than that. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? I thought you shot. meant go vintage to Salvation Army and rummage for the clothing. Because you're a poor college student, par- po- possibly. <laughs> possibly. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you know what? Now we're talking about vintage pets. Yes. Oh, I, that's. Re- I'm, I'm, I'm recycle, that. reuse. I'm, I'm recycle, reuse. <laughs> if I was to get, if I was to get an adopted dog, people what say, about reduce? Is that a purebred? Like, that's vintage. <laughs> vintage. All right. So, when the, the 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 thing that caught kind of my attention about adopt don't shop is I'd never heard the term, and I was wondering if it was co-opted by like an organization. You know that has a website, or they you know go out and protest, but it's really not that. It's more generic, right? Yep. Um, it doesn't have like there's not one company that like I don't know where the slogan came from originally, but it's definitely been circulating a lot in the past couple of years. Um, Did it have a hashtag in front of it? Probably. Okay, then it's a millennial thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it for sure does. No. I've used it. <laughs> oh, you have? <laughs> yeah. Wow, terrific. 
But um, the main problem with pet stores and stuff like that is most pet stores get their dogs from puppy mills. I say most because I do not know for a fact all of them do. Some of them may be awesome pet stores that take excellent care of their pets and get them from great places, but the majority do get them from puppy mills. What is the difference between a puppy mill and like a legit breeder, or there is no difference, and people that might say, well, I don't get it from a puppy mill, I get it from a breeder, so they, so they feel more comfortable with, with that. Is there a difference between quote-unquote breeders and puppy mills? There's a huge difference. Puppy mills, the main goal is to get out as many dogs as possible, get as much profit as they can. They have no desire in the actual health of the animal. Um, there are over around 10,000 puppy mills in the U.S., and they are legal here, but they're not all regulated. Is that a state-by-state state thing, you think? Is that, that's probably where regulation comes in, by I'm state. I'm fairly certain, but I'm not positive. Yeah. I, I would, it's not, not going to be a federal thing, so it's be state by state. Yeah, like they they don't have problems with like health isn't an issue for them. They just try and sell the dogs. A lot of times, the dogs that you get from puppy mills are sick and will die or get like need very high like medical costs because they're from puppy mills and they just don't care about the health. So how do you if you're if, if before we get into the adopt part, right? If you're looking for a, a purebred, how how do you determine? This guy's a legitimate breeder versus, you know, this organization here, which looks like a puppy mill. How, how does the, the, the consumer figure that out? My main thing is there's a difference between puppy mills, like, and then breeders. They're divided into backyard breeders and then AKC breeders. AKC is the American Kennel Club. And they, if you go on their website, they have lists of every uh, breeder, like registered, certified breeder in the United States by state by breed. There are a lot more than you think. Backyard mm -hmm. breeders are the people who they got a husky and they're like, this, it's a cool looking dog, I want to breed them. And that is a huge problem. I do not support backyard breeders. Some people, if they do it really well, then that's great, but you don't know what you're doing. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned the Huskies because um, not too long ago I came across an article about Husky Rescue is on a meteoric rise right now because so many people wanted Huskies because they are such fine-looking animals, but they're high-maintenance. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden after, you know, the Husky explosion in the last five or ten years uh, up until now has now resulted in people saying, wait, I can't handle this dog and a huge increase in rescues just on uh, Huskies alone. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, yeah. The backyard breeders, a big problem with them, if I'm not mistaken, it, you know, when you talk about the health of the animals, it, it's not only the health of the offspring, the puppies, but they breed the, the dogs too often, yep. where it's unhealthy and they end up being sick and die or whatever, isn't that correct? Yep. Uh, there was a girl that I ran into at my work and she had just gotten this beautiful bulldog puppy. Bulldogs cannot give a natural birth. They do not have the hips for it and they need a C-section. And she had no idea. And when we were talking to her about getting the dog spayed, she was like, oh, I think I want to breed them. And so we were talk we had to tell her like, we can't tell you you can't, but it is very dangerous to the dog, and it will be very expensive for you if you do breed them. I think she ended up getting him sp getting her spayed, but people they just don't know. They think it's as simple as 
getting the dog pregnant and having babies and then selling them and the babies are cute and they make money. But it is not that simple. It is a lot more complicated than that. And then it also comes from people that continue backyard breeding. They have inbreeding problems, which also leads to a lot of health problems. Now, we, we talked about the, the puppy mills, the breeders, the backyard <coughs> breeders. You, you know, okay. what, what about just like the large chain stores, the pet stores, right? Where do they get their animals and how, how, how you know, do they specialize in certain breeds or is that where you go to adopt? What, how, do, how does the, 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 the big consumer part of this yeah. fit in? As far as like Petco, PetSmart, Pet Supplies Plus, I highly recommend getting animals from there. I'm also referring to dogs and cats because pet stores, they will pair up with rescues and they will, rescues will bring in cats or occasionally dogs and uh, they'll just, uh, they'll house their animals there so that people can come and buy them. I myself volunteer for rescue, Happy Days Dog and Cat Rescue, stationed in Livonia, Michigan. Uh, Shameless plug. <laughs> And Shameless is here? <laughs> and so is Pig. The pig, was here. <laughs> the pig just made us laugh. <laughs> and they have Pig did a cameo. <laughs> yeah. Pig did a cameo on radio. That's <laughs> hilarious. And, and the dill was in the snow. Yeah, yeah. running half naked through the snow. In the snow outside their door wall here. <laughs> and they have a cat room in a Pet Supplies Plus in town where they have a bunch of cats uh, just in this tiny little room in the corner. And I go there and volunteer in the summer and just take care of the cats. And then people come and they have a chance to look at them rather than like having to research online like different rescues to be able to find the animals. When it comes to like rodents and reptiles, I'm not really familiar with that kind of stuff. But there aren't like you can go to breeders for them, but pet stores are generally a safe. Is that like chop don't adopt on the rodents and the reptiles? I've never heard of it. It's it's mostly. Uh, I I thought that was a hashtag I saw a while ago. Haven't used that. (laughs) Haven't used that. Yeah. Well, I I I saw on some of the uh, uh, some of the information you provided, the quote unquote companion animals is kind of what this focus is about, right? Yeah. And I was wondering, you know, okay, cats and dogs. What else is a companion animal, right? (laughs) Yeah. You know, at my house, it's 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 the possum that comes around, <laughs> <laughs> and the squirrel, and the bird, Bunny and Opie. <clears throat> Keep in mind, these animals are staying outside. <laughs> He's not bringing a possum into the house. Okay, so uh, you really believe that people ought to adopt and not I shop, do. right? So, uh, first order of business: Do you want to put breeders out of business? No, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, I think that breeders are I understand the draw to breeders there are certain breeds like for instance i love the samoya dogs i think they're a beautiful dog they're not easy to find through rescues and i understand wanting to go to breeders especially when it comes to hypoallergenic dogs sometimes you need to go to breeders my friend Catherine, sorry (laughs) (laughs) she uh is her family's allergic to dogs so she had to get a specific breed and so they went to a breeder but go to an AKC breeder, an American Kennel Club breeder, because they do it properly and the dogs are healthy and you can get papers that say so. And that I'm not trying to put breeders out of business. I would love to put puppy mills out of business, but I I cannot do that. <laughs> Yet. So you're talking about make an educated decision. Yes. Uh, don't just go online on Craigslist and look up husky breeders. Yeah. Or huskies and then go wherever that, that yes. is. Yes, Craigslist. Right. <laughs> like... But really, but really, you want people to adopt. Yes, I would love for people to adopt. There are so many dogs in kennels and rescues. How many? 
I have a statistic here. There are six. <laughs> Can we fact check that, lady? <laughs> <laughs> there are six point five million uh, dogs and cats that enter the U.S. Uh, animal shelters every year throughout the U.S. I said that. Sorry. And approximately 3.3 million are dogs and 3.2 million are cats. Unfortunately, 1.5 million of those animals are euthanized because not enough people are going to rescues and shelters. So in the neighborhood, around 20%. Yeah. Yep. There's, is, is there a possibility that not enough people are being responsible with their pets and reducing the population by spaying or neutering? Do we need to be more educating like maybe like go to the city and before you get your license to own a cat should and this is totally a left wing thing because I'm big government <laughs> should you be be required to sit through a class about the ramifications of letting your cat out and and getting it impregnated or having it impregnate another cat um, because it seems like that if you just adopt a policy of just adopting, it's not addressing the supply side of the demand. In fact, it could I, increase it. I actually, <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying. However, the awesome thing about most rescues and shelters is they require you to spay or neuter your cat. You've got to sign something that says that they will spay and neuter, and they pay for you to spay and neuter your dog or cat. And I think that is fantastic. It, it comes with the adoption. Yeah, it comes with the adoption. Yeah. Normally, it's done before the adoption, but if you're adopting a really young dog or cat, a lot of times they won't, and they'll just say, like, like they have you sign something that say you're going to spay and neuter it, and then you got to bring it back to them, and they will have it spay and neutered, which is awesome because you definitely should spay and neuter your dogs it, and cats because it leads to so many health problems if you don't and behavioral problems. So definitely. And what are some of the other benefits of adopting? For one, like I said earlier, you are like you're saving dogs from getting euthanized. And to be just a little like thing here, there is a difference between traditional shelters and no kill rescues. Traditional sh shelters and no kill yeah. rescues. Like okay. I don't want to say like kill shelters because that's not what they are. The reason that they have to euthanize dogs is because they are required by the government or by the state to take every dog that comes to their doors, no matter how full they are. They can be completely at max and still have to take in dogs. It is not their fault that they have to euthanize So it becomes animals. a capacity thing. It's a capacity thing. They do not have the choice to turn away dogs. But no-kill shelters, they can turn away animals. If they're full, they can say, we cannot accept any animals right now. You need to go somewhere else. If you, if you need a license to breed them and you need a license to own them, you can control the supply and you can control the demand. Yeah. Yes. And, and that is all government, folks. I would love if people had Oh, had government. <laughs> Bottoms up. Bottoms up. <laughs> here for that government. All right. No, I would love if people had to have a license to breed dogs, but it's hard to regulate that, especially with backyard breeders. And then, on the other hand, if you're getting like a one, two, or even like older than that dog, you are they're already trained. At least most of them are. And they you know their personality. Personally, I like chill dogs. I don't want a dog that's jumping all over me all the time. If I get a puppy 
for one, all puppies are insane. But you don't you're know that, they, you're that. they could grow to be very hyper dogs, and that's not what I'm looking for. So if you adopt like a one or two year old dog, you already kind of know what their personality is going to be like. You can also find out if they're good with kids, or if they're good with other dogs, or if they're good with cats. Like personally, I have a cat, and I will not get a dog unless I know 100% certain it's good with the cats. Do you think dogs that uh, are up for the adoption process, and maybe they're in a shelter, you? You know, they're acclimated to being with other pets. They're acclimated to, you know, meeting more people. You know, there's, there's that, um, yeah, that, know, that process that they're going through that makes them a better pet. That definitely does come into, can, come into hand when you're talking about shelters versus rescues. Because most rescues work at a foster basis. So that means that the dog that they have is at someone's house. It's with their kids. It's with their other pets. It's with the dogs. They know the behavior. It's not like in a shelter where even though I love shelters and I think it's fantastic what they do and they work really hard at what they do, the behavior of the dog in the shelter is different than what it is. One thing that uh, a, uh, a shelter that I volunteer at they have this running dog, like this running program, where you can take a dog uh, off of their property for two hours and just take them on a walk or take them on a run. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, it's awesome. I love doing it. It's so much fun. Uh, for one, I don't have a dog, but I want one, and this lets me have a dog for two hours. <laughs> and you get to know the dog, and you get to know their personalities, and they get to know you. But rescues, like you, definitely get more of an opinion about what their behavior is going to be like if it's through a foster basis. Okay. Which is. In, in my town, in, in Ferndale, just north of Axel Brewing, there, there's... <laughs> no plug. Always oh, comes there, back to the beer. Yeah. There, there's a little place called the Cat Fay. And, and the oh, Cat Fay oh, is awesome. We saw we that. Saw that yes. place, yeah. The Cat Fay, you can go in and have a cup of coffee and, and just hang with cats. And there's and, cats and everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we saw it after hours. Speaking of those cat so lovers. <laughs> yeah. We're like, what is this? We're there. looking in the window. <laughs> there's <laughs> cats everywhere. What is this? Like, ah, I think they had a sign, actually. They, were, they, were, they, were, they operate as a nonprofit, and, and you can contribute to their various... Uh, are those Fundraising cats efforts. up for adoption? And, and Is that I the believe idea? you can go home with That's cool. like, That's a cat. That's awesome. There. I love yeah. that. You should come visit it. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, it's only a couple blocks away. We can just walk over there. <laughs> you know, like, the cat cats. problem is really no, so have a beer. different than the dog I problem. thought the cat population, or the stat that you had earlier of the animals in the shelter, I thought the cats were going to blow the dogs out of the water because, like, stray cats, I don't know if they pick up stray cats at all, but, like, yeah. Cats just breed so much, and they when they're do. out yes. on, on the street. There's just so yeah. many. I will also say though, people cats don't really are like get rabbits. cats. Like they don't pick up cats off right. of well, like, right. strays because they always figure out someone's outdoor cat. Yeah, like Blotto has two oh. outdoor cats. They do though. They 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 do. I, I, actually, I, I I saw a stat. I think it was 27 percent of cats in shelters are strays. Where whatever the number for a dog would be is going to be, you know, probably yeah. single digits. You know, the, 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 the cat uh, adoption thing and the dog adoption thing, they're really very separate mm -hmm. problems. Yeah. You know, nobody really cares that much about purebred cats. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. You, you know, people own cats, right? I mean, uh, at one no, point in time... No, 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 no. Cats no. own them. Cats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I did have a purebred cat at, at one point in, in, in my life, and... Um, you know, we deliberately, you know, sought it out. Um, but now I have, you know, I've had other cats and they've never been purebred. And, you know, I just think that people look at cats as being cats. Cats. Yeah. We have cats in the city 
closer to the city anyway, in our city. And we also have rats. <laughs> so outdoor cats isn't a bad idea when you don't want to see rats. It, it, the outdoor cat thing, is it a problem even if they're spayed? Or neutered? Is that, is that, is that oh. still a problem? My cats are indoor-outdoor cats. They're, they're Super, kind of like dogs. They go in and out as they please. Superficially, it can become a problem, and it has been a problem in my immediate neighborhood with the uh, various fighting and <laughs> middle-of-the-night screaming and... stuff. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, I'm higher on the food chain, so you need to be quiet kind of thing. But... Yeah. Um, one thing I do love when people do, which I've heard about it a couple times, like I do work at a vet clinic, so I see it occasionally, is people will just bring in a random outdoor cat and be like, can I get its rabies vaccine? And so then they'll have the dog, uh, they'll pay for its rabies vaccine, which is awesome, and I highly recommend people do it. Uh, for one, rabies is a serious deal, and you don't want to, it's, it's nice to be able to help against that. Um, That's why you should own a possum. <laughs> they can't get rabies. <laughs> uh, and they eat mosquitoes. I or whatever. Ticks. They might even eat spiders. They, they, eat they, spiders. Eat everything. they eat everything. They eat everything. Some people like spiders and some people don't. Um, so uh, I've adopted two dogs um, from rescues in the past. And something that I've noticed that probably kind of works into it. Similar to what you said, like the, they either come spayed or neutered or they require to sign something. So when we got our last dog... It was, it was through a rescue. I don't remember the name of it, but it was, like, a big ordeal. Like, we, they brought her, we fostered, like, they let us foster her. I'm sure she was in a foster home prior, mm-hmm. but they let us foster her, and we had to do, like, an interview, and, like, they cared so much about place, it was placing the mm-hmm. dog. It wasn't, let's get rid of this dog out of our, yep. we fostered her for, like, two days and saw how it went, and wanna, it, it was wanna, fine. Wanna... We can, quote, unquote, return it. Like, it's a trial, kind yeah. of. If it doesn't fit. Then it shouldn't be in your home. Yeah. You must and, have quit. And there was yeah, and there was all kinds of other stuff. You know, she has to wear all like the tags. the tags and everything that people don't maybe. Yeah. You want to give a plug? Give. You want to give a plug to that organization? I think it was Home Forever. I oh, think. Forever. Forever. Yes, but I think that plays into like when they place a dog properly, it it prevents people from returning them or letting them loose into the wild or cats or anything. You know, so it it could alter that supply yeah and in, in turn you know if people are adopting yeah, no, them I, properly and well yeah one thing that like i when i was doing research people were like the reason i don't like adopting through shelters or rescues is like they've got so many requirements and the reason they have all those requirements is because they want to put the dog in the best home because they're big government communist <laughs> no uh, they, they don't want they want the dog to find their forever home mm-hmm. and they don't want the dog to come back because you told them that the dog wasn't great with kids, but they were like, no, it's fine. I have a three-year-old, but it's okay. Because yeah. it's not. The dog, if it's a big dog and it's jumping around, you won't want it jumping on your three-year-old. And the rescues know that, and they, that's why they try and put it in the best home possible, rather than like pet stores and even breeders. I'm not knocking breeders. It's not as big of an issue. Some breeders, they do require like fenced-in yards and stuff like that. But they rescues do try and find the best home for the dogs, which is fantastic. Certainly one of the benefits of adopting versus purebreds yes. is cost. Yes, cost is like a huge thing. Generally, on average, adopting fees uh, for dogs and cats range from $500 to $300. It all depends on the dog, if it's a private, like if it's a 
private seller. 50 to 300. 50 to 300. Fair. Sorry, 50 to 300. Whereas for when you go to breeders or pet stores, it all depends on the breed of the dog. But well, it, they get crazy expensive. It gets insanely expensive. Like a purebred golden retriever, which is a fairly common dog, can get up to $3,000. That is ridiculous. <laughs> what <laughs> if can, I have the disposable income to, to spend that money? What if I, that's what I want? Then that's great, but as a poor college student, <laughs> I... So it's, it's, it's self-perspective. I'll yes. adopt 12 would, dogs and, and, and have a room full would, of dogs that need a home. Would you, find it, would you find it objectionable that I've bought every single dog I've owned in my adult post-college life? No. People, like, it's all like personal. I like, want what I want. Yeah. And I... Think breeders are awesome. I support them. Backyard breeders. I'm. If it also depends though. Like if a dog accidentally got pregnant and it's their one-time thing and they're trying to sell their dog, or if you know a friend that had got, had a dog that got pregnant, then that's there. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. The dog is probably healthy. We adopted bags. <laughs> <laughs> and we. And then it just we, occurred to me. Uh, I didn't pay for bags. We adopted bags. bags. Um, <laughs> And, and 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 then Chewy uh, adopted Sack. Sack. Spark Sack. Oh boy. Which became Sparky. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. There was bag sightings for years after we left college. Oh my god. She was on a I think last sighted on a canoe up here <laughs> somewhere on the river. But yeah, as far as like your like and then another awesome thing that rescues and um like kennels will do is occasionally the do- the person or owner that brought the dog in will sponsor that dog, meaning they cover all medical bills for the dog and will also cover the adoption fee. So you can actually walk a day with that, walk away with having to pay either reduced or no fee at all. I want to get back to the Lefty's point that you purchased purebreds in the past, and you know you want what you want, right? And uh, I, I was being a little argumentative when I said that. <laughs> um, I understand completely the adoption process and the not wanting to buy through the puppy mills but I, I do think that there's a significant amount of the population that owns the dog that they want to own and not necessarily take one from a rescue um, it's extremely disheartening to see and while I love them all I'm not a big fan of the pit bull I'm not a big fan of those hardened looking dogs that have a stereotype that as much as I know that that's not true, I can't get by that, and I want a sporting dog, or I want a working dog, or I want a, a, a lap dog, um, and all dogs can be that, I'm sure, but um, I'm willing to pay for the traits that I want so that my family can enjoy that animal yeah. and be part yeah. of the family. That is yeah. an excellent I'm not in that. I mean, I, mean, I, th- I think that, you know, you know, the adopt, don't shop, you know, mantra is, is all about awareness, mm-hmm. right? It, I mean, maybe if you shop, you should contribute to adopt. That's and, what I was going to say. Maybe like, that's support, a good idea. Yeah. You know, contribute a little bit or whatever. So, so um, else, I think, yeah. Sorry. We're going to do that tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why not today? <laughs> Yeah. Um, because uh, you know, <laughs> got somewhere to be. We're like two beers in. Yeah. And I'm planning on drinking a few more than I. Something that I think about with this is like I totally support it. I've adopted 
we've adopted all of our dogs, but something that I think people, other than what Lefty said, is something else that people worry about or whatever, consider, is, like, where they've been rescued from. So, like, my dog right now, she was picked up from Detroit. She was a puppy tied up in someone's yard. I don't know what they were using her for, and she's the sweetest dog, but she has some, not behavioral problems, not with us at all. She's at home with us. Perfect dog. Will lay on your lap. Is the sweetest thing. She doesn't love other people and certain people in particular. And and she, yeah. Um, but like, so she, she she's not mean. She's not. Nothing's, Wait. Well, my doesn't. My dog doesn't like blotto either. <laughs> well, right. But it doesn't care. Yeah, well. that's just. I, that's I see just a you. pattern. Yeah. Like, emerging. And here. of course, that uh, like something like that can happen to any dog a purebred dog could have behavioral problems too yeah. but right. but the reason that she is the way that she is is because of her past people mistreated her and i think that's common with with dogs that are in rescues is they've been in bad situations or have been treated poorly so they might act differently than a puppy that a cute little golden retriever puppy you just picked up that has never had any i will say like um, when it comes to mixes versus purebreds, there's a lot of controversy there. Like, it's pretty commonly known that mixes have less health problems than purebreds. However, it's sort of turned around when it comes to behavioral problems. I'm not saying that mixes have behavioral problems because they are mixes, but they are put in more situations, right. like her that dog was tied yeah. up outside, where they develop those problems. Yeah. And when it comes to purebreds, I'm not saying all dogs, all breeds are the same, or all like dogs in the same breed are the same, but you can generally determine their behavior by the breed as a general. That's rule. the idea. Yeah, that's, that's more the idea. You can, right? you can predict their be. behavior. Yeah. You know? Whereas wrestlers, like mixes, you can't because you don't have that background. Like Samoyeds are known for being very friendly dogs. Like they were raised to be babysitters back in the day. Um, but mixes, like you don't know what you're getting, which. Like, most people, like, that's fine, but also it's nice to know what you're getting. Then, again, pure breeds also have more medical problems, like hip dysplasia and other types of stuff. But on top of that, you know what's coming. You know those, you know those health risks when you get the dog. All right. Well, <clears throat> I think that uh, just reminds everyone that you know, look at all your options when you're uh, seeking out a new companion pet. Absolutely. You know, other call than... Peanut. Yeah, call <laughs> Peanut. Call Peanut. Uh, always remember to uh, write... Uh, always remember to, to um, uh, give us your feedback on our Facebook page and check us out on all the various podcast options. And um, I, I think uh, that's going to wrap we, it up. Wait a second. We've been presented with uh, <laughs> a, a, a disposable paper plate a paper with plate. a Sharpie uh, sentence on it that I'll... It's longest longest podcast, podcast ever. ever. And <laughs> what really strikes me is they have podcast as two words. <laughs> so I'm discounting that entire comment. But we are going to cut it off. Yep. And uh, as we like to say... Potoms up. Potoms up and Out. out. Cause baby, I hate you Cause baby, I hate you Cause baby